If you join me again in the gospel according to John, looking at this ninth chapter, as we continue on looking at this series of I Need Jesus. Gospel according to John, ninth chapter. As we turn there again, I want to lift up these last verses of this chapter, looking at verse 39 to verse 41 again. The word of God says, then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Praise God for his word. As you take your seat, you help me announce this subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them, now I see. see. Amen. Help your other neighbor tell them, now I see. Looking in this text, dealing with the theme, the series of I need Jesus. And looking in this gospel of John, we've talked about some of his signs. We dealt with this first sign when he turned water into wine. We talked about from sorrow into joy. Then, then we dealt with the man that was by the beautiful pool waiting to be healed, but he could never make it in there. And Jesus was standing right there in front of him to meet his need as this man was standing in need, but he did not have the strength to stand without Jesus. But once Jesus spoke to him, pick up your mat and walk, he was healed. And now we move to this ninth chapter to another miraculous sign when Jesus heals a man that was blind, but was significant in this one that this man was born blind and why is that significant because even the man himself who was born blind who became who gained his sight says this has never been done before y'all quiet on me they were amazed because this has never been done before because oftentimes people became blind out there from dust and, and sand and other things flying into their eyes that they become blind or their sight becomes hindered and they will regain their sight somehow, some way. And they understand that because they had sight, they lost sight, they got it back. But this man was born blind. What does this mean to me? This, this, what I want to highlight to some of us to think about this for our, for our own self and think of how people have labeled you based on your birth condition. Uh, you were born into a broken family. You were born without a father, without a mother present. You were born that mom became Sally and grandma became mom. You were born in a place that might have had drugs and alcohol all the way around. You might have been born in a place where you just didn't feel safe waking up, but yet people looked at you and told you you were, you were worth nothing. You're not going to be anything and, and that you are just worth nothing based on just your birth. What I want to highlight here, just as in that text, if you look at that first chapter, the ninth verse, the disciples look at him. I can, I can see Jesus look at him and made them draw their attention to the man that was blind. They looked at him knowing he was born blind saying, who sinned? that this man is in this condition. Whose fault is it 
that they're in this condition. That might be some of us, that we might be born in such a bad condition. We're looking at, if my mom and my daddy were better, I wouldn't be in this condition. Uh, if the world was in a better place, I wouldn't be in this condition. If, if only I had an education, if only I got married, if, if only I struck the lot, I wouldn't be in this condition. What I want to highlight, that oftentimes we look at everything around us, think that's what's going to change our condition. Instead, tell your neighbor, you need to look up. Because Jesus says it wasn't because his parents were sinful that he was born this way. Nope. This happened so that the power of God can be displayed. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I want somebody to understand that in your life, that there's some things happening in your life. And it might look rough and it might look bad, but it's just another opportunity for God to show his power. Is this microphone on? That's some good news right there. That those things may be rough in my life. It does not mean that it's all over, that I need to throw in the towel. But there's still some opportunity that means there's a chance that God will show up. This man was born blind. This man did not know sight. This man had no idea what it looked like. This man was born in his in this condition only for the time that Jesus will walk by. What I want us to grab here, this the theological terminology is going on in here that Jesus says, I've come to to give blind the sight and those who are sight to make them blind. He said he came forth to bring forth judgment. What I want you to grab here that in this text, we see two, two kinds of blindness. We see a physical blindness. A physical blindness means that what one is unable to see, one that does not have sight. Then also there is a intellectual Blindness, or more specifically, a spiritual blindness. That they are unable to perceive, or they lack discernment, or they are not able to properly understand who Jesus is. And in this process, if you look at this, that the one who is physically blind has spiritual insight. The ones who have physical sight are spiritually blind. The one that is uneducated is more educated than the educators, that he even educates them when they question him. But let's walk through this text with me. Jesus is walking by. He finds this man born blind. He, he, he does not even say anything to the young man. He just does something. Oh, glory be to God. Y'all see that in the text? He does not say, can you heal me? Nor does Jesus ask him. Jesus simply makes some clay. I'm going to highlight this, that the, the circumstance that you're born in, the issues that you're dealing with, check this out, check this out. You're going through some mess. You're going through some troubles. You're going through some trials and some tri- tribulations. You're waiting for a way to get out. I just want you to know this, that Jesus is making some clay. <laughs> you don't even know what is going on, but he's getting ready to bring forth what you've been looking for. This man's been blind. He just sits down and uses his spit onto some mud and makes some clay and puts it on the man's eyes and say, now go wash in silo. <laughs> man goes and does what Jesus says, and he says he came back with sight. Mm. You see that nowhere in the text, nowhere in the text, what I want to highlight is that sometimes in our lives that we don't know what to cry out. We don't know what to say, but God already knows what you need, he's ordered, and he's already making provision for you. Isn't that good news to know that God is already making provision for you, even though you don't know what you need? 
It's never been done before. But yet, Jesus steps in, and things that seemed impossible now become possible. Because with God, I can do all things. And so Jesus steps in, and what was impossible, he makes possible just simply spitting on some mud. And made some clay and put it on his eyes. Do you, do you see that? How God can take something that seems simple and make it fantastic? And he goes, wash and silent. You see that in the text, it gives you a highlight. It says it means scent. What I want to highlight about this pool, this pool is, all, is what, you, what they use. This is what they use to bring in water into the temple. They went to that pool to bring water into the temple. This, this spring, this spring of water is what they use to bring water into the temple. I want to say that because Jesus says, of, I am the living water. You find that saying in John, and it's highlighting again that yet he's pointing this man, he's going to the water that they use for the temple, not knowing that he is the living water that spat on some mud that told him to go wash with what they use for the temple so that he might be clean. Symbolizing even more things is that he is the one that is able to satisfy everything that we have. And then the problem, the problem in the con- you see the conflict in the text. The conflict in the text is this, that it's not that Jesus healed him, it's that Jesus did it on the Sabbath. What's the problem with these folks? This man was born blind. They got upset because they see him walking around and find out that somebody was working on the Sabbath. The issue is is that they made up these laws that they wrote down to add on to God's law that they put it upon the people. And the people have impressed upon them that they're scared of these people who they should not be scared of. That they obey these traditions and are missing out the blessings that God's trying to give them. So look what happens, right? This man is healed. He's he's, he's made new and he starts walking around and. And he's like, man, I, got, I could see that. I've never seen before. He's walking around and check this out, check this out. He could see things he's never seen before. People are looking at him and saying, I think I've seen him before. They walk around. Who is that? That, that, that might be his twin. That might be his, no, 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 no. I hear y'all now. Y'all talking about me. I'm him. I'm the one. I was blind. No, no, no. That can't be possible. That can't be possible. How can you who were born blind now have sight? That man they called Jesus uh, made some clay and put it on my eyes. I went to the pool like he said. I washed and now I see. How is that possible? I just told you the man they called Jesus put some clay on my eyes, told me go to the pool and now I see. I still don't believe you. Oh, just leave me alone. They didn't believe it. They said, hold on, hold on. This can't be right. This has never been done before. This man, there's something, something's going on, but we don't know what it is. So we take him to the leaders. Let's go to the Pharisees. Pharisees, uh, this man, this man said Jesus healed him. And you know, it was on a Sabbath. Oh, wait a minute. Where is he? Where is that guy that heals you? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and you know why he don't know, right? He was blind. That's what happened. He was blind. He, he, when Jesus healed him, he couldn't see. So he didn't know where he went. He just know Jesus told him to go to the pool. So he went to the pool. And now he can see. Now he's standing in front of the Pharisees. The Pharisees say, okay, okay, tell us what happened. All right, here they go. Y'all ready? He sped on some mud, put it on my eyes. I go wash in the pool, and now I see. No, 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 no. That can't happen. He's a sinner. He can't do this. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Aren't y'all to learn, folks? No, no sinner. Y'all see that, right? No sinner can call on God and that he hears him. 
Now, let me give a footnote here. What he's saying here is not that we, making a sinner cry out to God, cannot be. What he's saying here, why will God allow someone to do something so miraculous if he's not of him? This young man understood that Jesus must be sent from God. The Pharisees, the educators, the learned, the scholars, the one that got alphabets before and after their names. If they were living in modern times, they were the doctor, PAC, Esquire, whatever you want to be, MDiv, whatever. And they still look at this young man who is teaching them, saying he is from God. They have the audacity to say he's not from God. No, 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 he can't be from God. He can't be from God because he's doing this on the Sabbath. What do you mean he can't be from God? Why would God allow him to heal me if he's not of me, of, of him? So then they question him again. Give glory unto the Lord. This is, this is, this is it right here. Because now th- this means that you must tell the truth. You have to give glory unto God. This is a familiar saying. Those who are familiar in, the God, in, in Joshua in the Old Testament, when Achan was brought before his sin, they told him, give glory unto God and tell the truth. He sort of had to tell the truth. And the truth was to his demise. He got swallowed up because he sinned. But in this text, the truth was for his, his, his healing. Because <laughs> he told the truth. He says, look here, I've already told you it was Jesus and y'all don't believe me. Do y'all want to become his disciples? Now they got upset. Y'all see that in the text? Wait, 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 wait. Hey, we are Moses' disciples. You're one of his disciples. I want to highlight this real text real quick for us. That you see how they challenge him and say that you are his disciples. What I want to highlight that when we are disciples of Christ, people ought to be able to tell who we follow. It's time out that Christians start looking like the world. That we blend in so well that people don't know if you're a Christian or not. They can't tell by how you communicate. They can't tell how you dress, whether you love the Lord. It's a sad aspect that we live in a society that influences so much that we want to be like them more than we want to be like Christ. Because society has, has, has blinded us. Y'all see that? Mm. Society has blinded us, put us in the dark, that we rather live in darkness than live in the light. That's why if you go back to the Gospel of John, third chapter, and after you know that great verse, verse 16, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believe in son, our parents will have everlasting life. Go on to verse 17, says he did not come to, that, to just the world, but that the world might be saved. Continue on, verse 18 and 19, he goes on to say, but the world has already been judged because they have not received him. And watch this, watch this. Those who have not received him because they love the dark, better than they love the light. Look in our current text, John 19, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So it's so in us that when we are blinded, we're living in darkness, we're not clearly seeing, and we're doing things of the world that is contrary to the word of God. Let's see what we're blinded from. We're blinded from that society tells us, listen to hip-hop music, hippie music selling so many lives, people, children should want a refund. Some of y'all might catch on the way home. It's telling you that the more girls you have, the better man you'll be. It's saying the bigger your house, the better, better success in life you have. The more expensive the car, the better man you are. And the sad thing is this, that all these things are, are so male sovereignistic that the women love it, that they are dancing and buying their albums more than the men are. The top songs are talking how our girls should, should dance like they go to a club where they sell more shoes than they do clothes. Some of y'all might catch on the way home. And 
as they go to d- dance like these shoe models, these girls are hearing it and saying it's cute, and they're doing it everywhere they go. I was driving home from the grocery store, and these girls decided to hop out on the street and decided to show me how they can twerk. I'm like, well, these girls are out of their mind. Like, what would get in your mind just to hop out in the street while cars are driving and say, look at this? Society has blinded them. We, we even seen, I've seen, I seen a mother, I've seen a mother have her children come out and have them shake and she was proud how they could do all that. I bet you they didn't know their algebra. But they know how to dance. Society has blinded us that things that look cute, things that are entertainment, things that look successful, these are the things we are promoting. It has blinded us that our children are failing and we want to blame the teachers. How is it the teacher's fault when it's the TV at home that stays on? You let the TV and the radio stay on, but you let them keep them books closed. How is it that when they are failing, you want to blame the teacher, but you tell your child they're a good student? What I want to highlight that, well, we need to go and tell this community that we need to open up our eyes or stop being blind to this world and falling for the tricks of the enemy because all he wants is to stay hidden from the truth. But Jesus says, I've come, I've come, I've come, I've come to give the blind sight. He has clearly shown us the truth. And so it's now time for us to establish this truth and stand on the truth and live for this truth. But look at the challenge here. He is a claim to be a disciple of Christ. He challenges them, say, do you want to be his disciples too? They say, no, we don't want anything to do with him. Now look here, look here. The second time they ask him is after they asked his parents. And his parents were scared to answer him because the word was out. That if you say anything good about this Jesus, you want to follow this Jesus, they will kick you out of the synagogue. And that's something. Jesus told them earlier that if you were truly, truly, truly sons of Abraham, you'd be happy to see me. Because I am who Abraham was speaking of. The scriptures point to me. He's looking at them and saying, how can you search the scriptures and you still don't know me when I'm standing here right before you? Why is that? Because they're blind. There was a popular hip-hop song that was out there saying, you're blind, baby. You're blind to the facts. You can't see what I can see. The Pharisees were blind to the facts. They could not see what the blind man could see. The blind man could see that this man was of God and he healed me. The Pharisee says he is a sinner. He's like, how can a sinner of God, I'm sorry, a sinner be heard of from God to bring forth healing? And so the parents just say, you know what, he's of age. <laughs> the parents said, like, don't come to us because we're not going to kick that. He's of age. Go ask him yourself. And he stood on his own two feet, shoulders up, head up, proud, understanding that I know what happened to me. And it was Jesus that gave me sight. Oh, they got mad and they started cursing him and defaming him. Once he says, do you want to become his disciple? They said, we have nothing to do with Jesus. So, so they says they kicked him out. Oh, glory. Glory be to God that when people kick us out, he'll pick us up. Y'all quiet on me. Because it says that when Jesus heard they kicked him out, he found him. 
Have you ever been down and out? Been on the lowest of the lows. But yet Jesus came in and picked you up. You see how how the story tells us how when the world may turn their back on us because we turn towards him. Don't worry about it. He'll come by. He'll come by. He'll pick you up. When others tell you all kind of negative things about who you are based on from where you came from. But Jesus will come up and show up and tell you where he's going to take you. Y'all catch that, right? People are basing your identity on your birth when Jesus is basing your identity on your destination. You understand here that Jesus came here so that you might have life past here, but people that are still stuck here want to have a life just here. Just here. That's why they say YOLO, you only live once. Basing that, I'm going to get everything I can have here on this earth because I'm only going to live once. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let them know you only live once, but you can die twice. What are they going to say? They're going to now question you. What do you mean? I'm going to die twice. I only live once. Well, okay, okay. Uh, uh, you're going to die here on this earth. And then when Jesus comes back, because he's coming back, uh, you're going to die again. And the sad aspect that the second death is that you're going to be with the devil and his angels, the big ugly dragon, and a whole bunch of fire and brimstone where there won't be no comfort. And so go ahead, YOLO, go ahead and live once. You're going to die twice. But I'm going to tell you, I'm only going to die once. How, how, how is it that you're going to die once? Well, well, Jesus says, I am the life and the resurrection. Though you, though you may die, yet you believe in me, yet you shall. Whoa! Y'all see that right there? He's pointing out to us that I've came to show you where you're going. That's why in my father's house, there's room with many mansions. I go to prepare what? A place for you. Said that when I come back, uh, you can be there with me. Y'all catch that? How we are so blinded in this world that people think that the bigger your house, the better your life is. Not understanding that Jesus got a house bigger than that. So I'm encourage you that, yes, you can go ahead and drive on, on Grandview Drive and look at them big old houses. And, and then you can drive on home sad back to your little small house and say, man, I wish I could have one of those big houses. But I want you to cheer yourself up after you have your own pity party. I said, but my Jesus, he's got a house bigger than those and better than those that doesn't have any upkeep, doesn't need any warranty, don't need no flood insurance, no fire insurance. I'm going to be up there in the light. Is anybody here glad that Jesus? Jesus knows what's best for us. And so look what happens here now. Once this man has been kicked out, been kicked out, Jesus goes and finds him. Now remember the last time the man saw Jesus, he didn't see him. Y'all see that, right? And so now that he sees him, look here, look here. He says, he says, he says, he says, do you believe in the son of man? Some translation says the son of God, but earlier translation did not have the word son of God. They put that in there to make sure we understood he's speaking of Jesus. But in Gospel of John, Jesus consistently refers to himself as the son of man. And so Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? He says, where is he? (laughs) He says, I am he. I'm the one speaking to you. What did that man do? He worshiped him. Hmm. 
You see that when he saw Jesus? I'm going to say that again. Make sure you understood. When he saw Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all caught on. When he saw Jesus, he worshiped him. What did it mean to saw? He, he not just physically saw him. He spiritually saw him. He saw him not just because he was a man. He saw him as the man of God. The son of man. The chosen one. The one he was looking for. And he worshipped him. Look closely in the text. Where did Jesus stop him from worshipping him? He didn't. Because he deserves to be worshipped. You can look through all the texts, and when angels show up and people worship the angels, they stop, don't worship me. <laughs> I'm just a messenger. But when Jesus, God in flesh, showed up, he let them worship him. Y'all catch that? Because he was revealing, this is one of the few times in the gospel when Jesus fully, fully reveals himself as the son of God, the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. And he did this to a man that was born blind, that had regained his physical sight. Now he has received spiritual sight, and now he worships him. Now look what he, he, he gives him some good information here. He says here, he says, do you know this is why I came? I came so that to give blind to the to, I'm sorry, those who are blind to give them sight and those who have sight to make them blind. And you, you see here that the Pharisees still have not left Jesus alone because they're around him. Y'all see that, right? They, they still trying to follow this man around because they're up to no good. You know, uh, uh, you know how haters always hate. They always hate. They, they got no time but to hate. They look at their watch. There's always time to hate. What time is it? Time to hate? That, that's what it is. It's a Sabbath, and they're concerned about hating on Jesus. You see, they're around. So now they're going to get indignant. Oh, you saying we blind? Oh, y'all think y'all smart, huh? Oh, say we blind? He says, if you, if you truly were blind, this guilt would not be on you. Y'all catch that? But since they're not truly blind, why is they not truly blind? They know what the Word says. They see the text clearly before them, but yet they, choose, they refuse to believe in it. And since they refuse to believe in it, they are guilty. Lord, have mercy. We are not excused as these Pharisees because we know the truth. And so since we know the truth, we must live the truth. We cannot say, I know the truth and choose what truth we want to believe in. Then you're living a lie. I want to help somebody out there understand that if you tell the truth, but you still tell a lie, you still told a lie. Let me help somebody out. If you put a, a whole glass of milk down and you put a poison in that milk, and it's just a percent of poison, just one percent poison, ninety-nine percent milk. What is that? It's poison. Just that one percent changes the whole content. I want you to understand here. Now, don't say because I act good on Sunday, I can do what I want from Monday. To Saturday about midnight, and then I'm going to get right so I can show up Sunday morning. I want you to understand that from that Monday to that Saturday, even at midnight, you still ain't right. No matter how right you try to get on Sunday, what makes us right is having this word in our heart. It's, it's a sad aspect that we know the laws, but we don't keep them. We, the sad thing is this. Think, think about this. How, 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 how can I be a better Christian? Think about how you train your children. 
And think about this, that even in a, a child, when it goes to school, you tell them, well, be good, right? School sent home let, uh, letters and information saying these are the rules of the school, right? These are the uniforms they ought to wear. This is what time they need to be here. This is their classrooms. This is what they can bring. They cannot bring this. This is acceptable. All these different things. And even in the classroom, you go into the classroom, you meet with the teacher. The teacher has the rules of raise your hand, speak when you're spoken to, do not run in a hallway. You know, all those things, right? And so you got all these rules. But what does it matter if the child does not obey them? And they know, I bet you ask them too, what's the rule? Raise your hand. Be quiet when the teacher is talking. Why don't you do it? You know what they're going to do, right? They're going to be quiet because they don't want to lie. That's why they use shirt their shoulder because they don't want to tell you, I know what it is, but I'm just rebellious and I'm not going to do it. No, that, we don't want to sound so forthright, but that's what we do. We know what God calls us to do, but we're just rebellious and we just don't want to do it. We know the Bible tells us not to lie, but I'm going to choose to lie because I'm scared of, my, of, of the consequence if I tell the truth. The Bible tells us to be faithful, but yet this is so easy. How can I not get away with it? The Bible tells us, that tells us, tells us to forgive, but yet revenge seems so much sweeter. We see the truth. We know the truth, but we choose to rebel yet because we rather satisfy this flesh. And now we're walking in blindness. And when we're walking in blindness, that guilt is upon us. And you understand this guilt is equal to sin. He's what is pointing out. This sin is this guilt. You understand the wages of sin is death. When the judge in the, in, the, in the court finds you guilty, your guilty means this, that you're found culpable of doing what you have done. The problem is all of us are guilty of sin. So all of us are guilty. All of us are guilty. None, none, none are righteous before the Lord. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see how this text ends. The text ends showing us that there's hope in this place. For verse 41 says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. This is a warning not only to the Pharisees, but also to us that we must learn to see Jesus. Because when we see him, we'll be like that man that was born blind. We will what? Worship him. I'm done with y'all, so let me help me. Y'all can help me get to my clothes because this is why I want to highlight this. That when this man saw Jesus, the story ends with him. He worshiped him. Y'all see that, right? It's amazing that when we worship him, Jesus doesn't have to worry about correcting us. It's right there in the text. When he worshiped him, he had to worry about talking to me anymore. He said, Oh, he got it. But the Pharisees said, Oh, we blind? I want you to grab this and put it into your heart about how you need him. If you want to see him, you must see him for who he is. See him as the son of God who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried in a tomb, but rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. He was seen by 500 witnesses. He was seen by James and Peter and even Paul himself. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he's sitting there right now interceding on our behalf, waiting for the time he'll come back in glory and call us back upon himself when he'll change us in the twinkling of an eye that we'll take off this old mortal body and put on immortality and that we will not know death anymore but will forever see his glory. 
what I want you to grab now, that as we're waiting to see the totality of his glory, you can see him now. How can I see him now in this dark, dying world? Great question. Here, how you can see him. Every morning you wake up, you can see the sun is shining. That's God still moving. Every time you go to bed, you can look up and see the moons and the stars. That's God moving. Every time a thunderstorm comes, you know the rain is going to stop. That's God's moving. How is that God's moving? He made a promise way back in the day that I'll make a rainbow to remind myself never to flood the earth again. Oh, that's God moving. Every time you might see a funeral, remind yourself, oh, death has come into this world, but remind yourself that there's a resurrection. So this is not the end. How can I be reminded in this dark world, remind myself that he is the light. Psalm 139 says that even in darkness, God is like light to you. So can you see him? Can you see him in a butterfly? Now you can see him in a butterfly. You can see a caterpillar going to a chrysalis, going to a butterfly. I can think of a baby <laughs> born in a manger, dying on a cross to resurrect in a glory of body. Can you not see him? Can you not see the light? He says, I am the light. The light gives life and the light draws away darkness. Can you not see him? And so when you see him, what will you do? Will you worship him? I'm going to close with this last thought. Think about when you worship him, what's on your mind is him. Isaiah 26 to 3 tells us he will keep you in perfect peace. Those who keep their minds stay on him. I encourage you that when you're angry, when you're upset, start worshiping him. Mm, mm. That way you might not curse out your mate as you're about to, but you'll worship him. You won't yell at your children, but you'll worship him. Y'all quiet on me. You won't go into your boss and give him a piece of your mind. No, you'll worship him. You won't quit your job that one day you got mad. No, you'll worship him. You see, when you worship him, it's amazing how other things just stop bothering you because you're just focusing on him who's able to bring you through. Can you see him? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Let's turn to him. Lord, we come. We come that we might see you, that we might see you in your power and in your glory, that we might see you ministering in our lives, that we might see you helping us, oh God, being a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, a better son, a better daughter, a better employee, a better employer, a better co-worker, a better servant, a better volunteer, a better grandparent, a better aunt or uncle. Lord, we just want to be better. And, Lord, we know we can be better when we see you. Because when we see you, God, we see all that we can be. When we see you, Lord, we see our hope. When we see you, Lord, we see our joy. When we see you, Lord, we see our mercy. When we see you, Lord, we see our grace. When we see you, Lord, we see love that never fails. And, Father, we thank you that when we see you, no matter what the world has for us, great is for you that's with us. And so, Father, Lord, minister to us right now, God. There might be someone here, Lord, who wants to see you for the first time. I thank you, God, for that revelation. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you gave them sight and that they might know you as a personal Lord and Savior. 
We thank you, O God, for your saving grace and your power. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. May we stand.